Support for Talk of the Towns comes from Table, a farmhouse bistro grand reopening Friday, April 2nd, located at 66 Main Street in Blue Hill. More information at farmkitchentable.com. Support for Talk of the Towns also comes from Fields Pond Audubon Center, a green design nature center in Holden with walking trails, a nature store, pond access, and educational programs about habitat conservation for people of all ages. More information at mainaudubon.org or 989-2591. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine. And like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio, and you who are listening, create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Adults have a lot of fear about uh, teens as they live their lives and face many choices in the path to adulthood. Choices about tobacco and alcohol, about driving, about sex, all might have unhealthy consequences. What support can adults provide to teens and what support can teens give to one another as they make choices and chart their passage to adulthood. That's the focus of our program this morning, and I'm glad to have some guests with us that can help us with that topic. I'm welcoming back Don Ficker from Jonesport Beals High School. Um, welcome to you, Don. Thank you. Get right up to that microphone when, when we have to speak. And also, uh, Barb Ames. Barb Ames is the Youth Program Coordinator with Bucksport Parks and Recreation. And uh, welcome to you. Hi, thank you. And um, even more important, we have teens talking about teen issues this morning. And uh, we have students from Bucksport High School. And I'll ask each of them to move right into the microphone and introduce themselves briefly, um, starting with Katie. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm a sophomore. And I'm from Bucksport High School, as you all know. Great. Scott? Hello. My name is Scott Donald. I'm also a sophomore in Bucksport High School. Okay. Hi, I'm Tara. I'm a sophomore at Bucksport High School. And I'm Jazz. I'm a senior at Bucksport High School. Great. Well, I'm so glad that you could be with us as we talk about teen choices and challenges. How do we support teens? And I think I'll start with Don um, to give us a little background on the work that he's been doing at Jonesport uh, Beals High School and uh, um, reminding um, listeners who might have heard um, students from Jonesport Beals High School um, deliver some skits about some of these issues. All right, skits are skits are one of the things that we do uh, with high school students uh, to uh, carry their message to uh, the radio station, ideally, and then uh, in other circumstances down to the uh, eighth graders and so forth. Uh, I have the luxury of working with uh, students from kindergarten through senior in high school, and I think that that's when we should start talking about these issues, not not waiting until we're in our teenage years. But I've been in Jonesport, <coughs> excuse me, for about 11 years. 
And we have opportunities for uh, students to meet in high school in small groups to talk about whatever they need to in a confidential setting. Uh, and then I go into classrooms for half an hour once a week to do work on life skills such as <laughs> how do you get what you need, how do you confront people, avoid fights, and all that, that sort of mm. thing uh, as in an age-appropriate way, mm -hmm. starting with kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So t tell me, just um, before we turn to, to the high school students, what, what are some of those questions and choices that kindergartners might be thinking about um, or you're helping them to think about? <clears throat> helping kindergartners it involves them being aware that there's someone else that has needs as well. Uh -huh. uh, and so asking how to ask for what you need at the right time, the right place, and the right person, and while taking into consideration that there are other kids in the room too. Mm. Uh, so an awareness, uh, beginning to work on empathy <clears throat> a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, which kicks in later really in the second and third grade. I spend more time on understanding how other people might feel in a certain circumstance. But I'm pretty well known through the elementary school as the feelings guy. Ah, so okay. we start out with identifying and expressing feelings. Right. And so what you remind us of is that we are all uh, developing as human beings and we have different stages of development or, or kinds of things that are happening around a certain age. And so you're saying that we need to be introducing the ability to make choices at an early age and then help us move along um, through the continuum. <clears throat> Part of the values system, you know, the beliefs that, that young people have that I've observed over the, over the years is that <clears throat> up until about the, oh, I don't know, maybe fourth grade now, it used to be up until the fifth or sixth grade, uh, uh, young people are really interested in keeping their parents happy with them mm. and proving that they are um, good kids. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, and then uh, adolescence begins to set in and part of a developmental task in adolescence is separating from your family of origin. So how do you do that while still showing your mom and dad that you love them and respect them, but you're tired of the rules and regulations? <laughs> So you're, you're, you're connected, but you're beginning to identify yourself as an individual and then beginning perhaps to identify with the social scene, the, the kids around you. The, the social scene becomes more and more important relative to the family. And, of course, anytime you generalize, you're wrong about some kids. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> but uh, there are some people who put family first throughout mm -hmm. their lives. Mm -hmm. There are other people who, who struggle with separating, and sometimes because parents have a hard time letting go mm -hmm. and shifting. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as we grow, <clears throat> we go through different developmental stages, and sometimes parents get left behind mm -hmm. in that process and their needs start to be more important than their child's needs. And mm -hmm. That's a conflict. So I can imagine that in a, in a um, family with very young children, um, the family is setting all of the rules, you said the rules, but also beliefs um, mm. about how, how we behave in, in the world. Right. As we get out and we have more social experiences, then other people are influencing our choices and how we behave in the world. Well, that's right. And, and of course, with all the electronic gadgets that are out there that connect everyone, it exposes everyone. Even people in Down East Maine <coughs> are seeing and hearing the same things as somebody in uh, New York City is seeing. Right. You know? And uh, so trying to make sense of all that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fit it into our own value system. So as you um, used um, skits, tell us a little bit more about how you would actually um, coach a group of students to use a skit to illustrate a particular concern or dilemma. Um, what would your role be? Well, my role was a facilitator. I would, I would guide the process and then stay out of the way when mm -hmm. they get to the content. Uh, the process has to do with first getting yourself into a role 
getting yourself into a, a role that's um, with younger kids. I do skits in classrooms as well. Is we're doing make believe here. You need to play a role. We have to have a bully. That doesn't mean somebody that's playing that role is one. So getting in and out of roles is important. Uh, setting a scene <coughs> uh, where someone's going to need to make a decision. Uh, presenting a dilemma and then freeze frame and uh, involve the audience in some ideas about how this could be effectively handled or question the characters while they're in their role about why they're behaving the way they are. So my role is to help the players understand the dynamic they're trying to to put across so that they can answer in role mm. uh, instead of from their own heart mm -hmm. and then getting back out of the role mm. is, is a critical part of that process. So, mm. so the 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 um, the way that you would use those would be in the classroom, but you also have kind of presented those skits to adults to help adults understand some of the choices and dilemmas that teens are facing. They might have forgotten about. Um, <laughs> it's it's been a while since I was an adolescent, but sometimes I need reminding about some of those choices. Well, you can remove uh, the conflict from it by just presenting it to a group, uh, so it's not taken personally. <clears throat> You're just listening. Mm. to someone else's perspective without having to argue about it or mm. feel like somebody's defying you by saying something different than what you believe. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that's a useful f uh, forum for that. Right. So just um, remind us some of the skits that you've presented in the past and some of the dilemmas that um, youth are, are talking about that, um, that uh, are typical and we'll get some reaction from the teens in this room to see if those are still real. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, I guess one scenario, this is, this is almost trite, but it's the one that's coming to mind at the moment is there's a party, somebody's parents are out of town, and uh, there's going to be drinking there, and all the things that go along with that will probably be happening at this party. People are talking about it in school the day before. Uh, it's going to happen over the weekend, and everyone has a decision to make. Am I going to be part of this? Am I going to find an excuse not to be there and what can <clears throat> adults do to help with that and so different players might say well my parents would kill me if I did that and, I, and they're going to find out so I'm not going and that gives them a really safe way to get out of there and not, not do it and other people will say well I'm going to go anyway but I'm not going to drink and I need to take care of my friends and other people might say yeah but a lot of stupid stuff happens there <clears throat> so you're going to put yourself at risk oh I don't care they're my friends and and I'm going to do it mm -hmm. anyway. And so you present several points of view, uh, good arguments on either side of a go or don't go, uh, and then stop and ask people to think, reflect on that and then comment and uh, discuss it. So that would be one. Uh, another one could be what do you do when somebody is talking about you behind your back? Um, the, one of the skits we did last year was excellent uh, where we had um, – a girl who was new to the school, not very popular, and a couple of guys made a bet about whether they could get her into bed or not. And she ended up going to bed with this guy and then found out it was a bet. And we ended the skit with sort of the... This was a, a skit. The intimation, that's right. <laughs> and we, we ended the skit <laughs> with the intimation that she was going to commit suicide mm. over that. Mm. So we brought in, you know, uh, abuse, uh, 
dishonesty in relationships, and then and then the biggie is uh, suicide and suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these are these are adult decisions that are being having to be made by teens in, in many cases. Well, that's the pressing problem we right. have now. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get some some um, thoughts from um, some of the teenagers in in this room um, about some of the issues that Don has introduced. Um, think about that um, situation where he described everybody knows there's going to be a party. Um, have you heard that? Have you seen that? Have you experienced that? Go ahead, Jazz. Um, actually, just recently, last week, that was kind of a thing that was going around the school. It was there was supposed to be a party. Somebody's parents wasn't home, and a lot of, there were certain people invited, and it was okay for them to bring friends, and it was just one of those big things. I didn't go. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, what made you decide not to go, and how do you think other people made that kind of choice? Um, well, let's see. You can always debate about it, but then I kind of didn't have to make an excuse because I had to babysit. Uh-huh. So I didn't, I wouldn't want to put myself in that situation. Anyway, right, so. right. Any other reactions to that situation? Did, have you, did you hear about the party, Scott? Uh, yes, I did. And, and what was your choice? How did you make your choice? <clears throat> well, even though, like, when Don said that his, that the person was going to go with his friends, we got there, then because he was going to drive them home. Mm-hmm. Still, even though they're at the parties, they make, like, bad behaviors and all that, I wouldn't go, and I would try to make my friends stop to go mm-hmm. there at all. Because mm-hmm. you felt it was unsafe or f- feel like it might be unsafe. That's correct. Yeah. Well, maybe we could bring Barb into the conversation now and give us a little background on the work that she's doing with the Bucksport Recreation Center in this particular group of students. And I forgot to ask um, for your, your name. Um, you've, you've decided that you're going to call yourselves what? Jazz, what, what, what are you calling yourself as a student, student group? We're calling ourselves Step Up or Move Over, and the message of the name is basically you step up to the problems you have to fix or you move over so you let someone like us, our group, or someone else you know do it for you. So mm. it just it's really assertive. Great, great. Barb, tell us a little bit about um, your, your own background. Uh, how did you get into this, this kind of work? And cozy right up to that microphone. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, I've always worked with kids, and I just find that I get empowered by working with the, the youth because they have so much positive energy, and they just have such creative ideas, mm. um, and they need to be heard. Mm-hmm. So we started, I work for the Bucksport Rec Department. I have several hats that I wear in that capacity. You know, One is working with the athletic stuff, which... My supervisor, Tim Memory, can tell you I don't do a lot of that. (coughs) Um, The other one is an after-school program. I also have a diversion program for youth who have made poor choices to try to get them back on the right track. And then I have my YAP kids, which is this group, the Step Up. YAP? Wait, we better define that. Well, it's because they talk all the time. Oh, okay. No, really, it's a youth advocacy program. Mm -hmm. Um, And they chose the, the name, and they just... They amaze me at some of the work that they do. Mm. So um, you had the opportunity to kind of uh, create a group or help create a group uh, under this youth advocacy program. Talk, talk about what youth advocacy is and how does that relate to perhaps other schools or uh, programs <coughs> in the state? Youth advocacy is a program that is put into, like, the coalitions and stuff. And it's, it's basically that. It's a chance for the youth to... It's a chance for the youth to... Um, have their voices be heard. 
I mean, that's the important thing. And when you speak about coalitions, these are the, the healthy community coalitions yep. at yep. different places around the state. Yeah, okay. I'm part of the Bucksport Bay Healthy Community Coalition with a strong advocate with Mary Jane Bush. Mm, great. Every time I kind of step back, she pushes me forward. So. Great, great. So um, tell us a, a little bit about how this particular group got started. How did you actually initiate this group? Because there may be li people listening and say, I'd like to do that in my community, or I'd like to find out about how to do that kind of work. I think that the kids that started, we started because they were part of the Challenging Choices, which is the after-school and summer programs. And I have one young lady in particular who came in who is here today, and when she came into the Challenging Choices, she didn't have any kind of a voice. I mean, she stayed off by herself, and parents had talked to me about their concerns around her and on what path she was going to take, and she's just made amazing strides. You know, mm -hmm. she's spoken in front of the town council for the programs, um, and she's here today. Great. So. Great. Well, I'm, I'm going to get a little more background about um, how adults look at some of these situations, um, and then we're going to focus more on, on the f uh, teens from Step Up or Move Over in Bucksport. Uh, but now we have on the line Amelia Brecker-Demuro, um, and she's also with the Healthy Acadia program, which is a coalition. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Amelia. Thank you, Ron. I greatly appreciate you calling me. Great. And I know you're going to be um, on um, in April talking about some of these issues, but um, perhaps give a little background about yourself and I know that you did some work um, as, as uh, you've got a social work background, but you worked with some young women on Mount Desert Island. I'd, I'd like to hear that story, too. I did, yeah. Well, I have a, a great passion with working with teenagers. I think that they have uh, an incredible perspective on the world that has, you know, can have an incredible impact on others if, if others know um, to listen to them and know how to listen to them and then encourage their strengths. So I guess that's where I'm coming from. Um, I started um, probably nine years ago now, the Women's Collective, which was an organization, a not-for-profit organization that did programming for women and girls of Hancock County, and it was about um, empowering them to reach their fullest potential. And one of the programs that we did within that was... Um, a body image, a sort of self-esteem uh, documentary program. And, and what I ended up doing was uh, I just knew that discussing body image and self-esteem and, and the media's influence and becoming media literate is just such a big deal and a big part of growing up female in this, in this, in this world. And so I went to the high school and invited anybody who was interested to join me um, in creating a documentary to really speak about what their experience was about growing up female in today's world. And what ended up coming out of something that I thought would be a six-month project was a three-year incredible commitment from nine um, high school girls to um, explore the topic of body image, self-esteem, media literacy, and what real health and real beauty mean. And they ultimately created a 20-minute documentary called In Our Image, um, Moving Beyond the Body Beautiful, and, um, and then creating a discussion guide that accompanied that. And since then, it's um, been distributed to every single school, middle and high, in the state of Maine, and then um, intern um, sorry, nationally as well. And, and through that process, these girls, they thought I was crazy <laughs> when I had this idea. You know, really, you know, I don't know what she's talking about, but hey, we're interested enough, so we'll stick it out and see where it goes. 
to, to, you know, see that they actually could make such an incredible impact. And by the time the project was done, they were just filled with pride and with um, just incredible new realization that they could impact change based on what they felt was, you know, important to them in their lives and things that they dealt with, that they had something to say and that people really wanted to hear what they had to say um, and could really influence positive change. And that was the other piece, too, was creating positive media so that, you know, to to combat the negative messages out there that um, influence teens to make some destructive decisions. And you may not know the, the the answer to all of this, but where are some of those young women now? It's it's about ten years or um, uh, eight or ten years. What have the, they done with their lives? Do you know them? I do know them, and that's been one of the most beautiful things about this project is they've all kept in touch with me, and they are doing the most incredible things. And throughout, you know, um, writing um, references, recommendations for them for college, they're all now graduated, and out in the world. I have one woman who won a Fulbright scholarship and is studying women's kitchen culture in Sri Lanka. Um, I have another young woman who's working in New Orleans in a women's shelter. Um, I have another young woman who's helping coach under, um, oh, what's the best word? Uh, sort of underprivileged youth um, to help them attain their GED or be able to study for the SATs and really get into good schools and, and have um, the financial aid that they need to really attain their goals. And they all um, state that it's part of the reason they've chosen this path and part of the reason why they're moving forward in this work is because of their experience and the recognition of the change that they can actually make. It's a really amazing, beautiful project. And, I, and that since has inspired me to really look into opportunities to perpetuate sort of this resiliency building work, you know, having people recognize their strengths when they may have not known that they were there, recognize their voice and the incredible impact that they can make. Mm, that's, that's a great story. And it would be wonderful to uh, bring them to the studio at some point if they're all back on Mount Desert Island and, and get them to tell the stories uh, forward. Um, that would Absolutely. be great. Um, your work now with uh, Healthy Acadia, what's your role there and, and uh, how are you continuing to work with teens? Sure, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I have several roles. Um, but um, in, in regard to this, I do sort of a youth empowerment, youth advocacy work, um, helping with the service learning projects that they're doing in the high school right now to encourage um, the youth that are embarking on these projects to really recognize that this is an opportunity to, um, to, to make change and have their voice heard and, and recognize that they really have the ability to make a difference. Um, and that's been really wonderful. I, one of the things that I described to them is Healthy Acadia is actually um, an adult version of a service learning project. We look in the community, and I think all the Healthy Made Partnership programs are. You know, you look into the community, you assess the needs, you assess the strengths, you assess the gaps, you assess the opportunities, and then you, uh, you research that information, you research what's out there, what programs are successful, what aren't, and then you you know, create programs or you, you know, recognize networks and, and linking opportunities um, to um, affect change in those areas that you previously identified. So um, it's been a really neat process working with these youth with the Healthy Acadia hat on. 
And then the other piece that I'm doing is substance abuse prevention and particularly looking at underage drinking. And a lot of the service learning projects, again, um, the youth have this focus in that area, and it's, it's, um, it's really neat to see them take those projects and move them forward. And one of them, <clears throat> one of the projects um, or one of the um, opportunities that I'm um, encouraging these youth to take on is, is coming actually to your radio show at, um, next month to discuss underage drinking and um, sort of their perspectives on it to really start a real conversation. My, my perspective when it comes to substance abuse prevention is not to only look at the perspective of consequence, not only look at the perspective of, um, you know, what could happen if, um, but more to look at, look what else there is out there. Look, you know, you know, have people have so many strengths and opportunity and have constantly your community looking at you as somebody that has potential rather than somebody that's made mistakes or could make mistakes, you know, and, and, and put people down. And so... That's great. Yeah, and so um, one of the things that I just did recently um, for the high school, they had an opportunities fair based on their social responsibility day that was yesterday. And I went to the high school, I'm sorry, the College of the Atlantic, and there was um, a bunch of nonprofits representing their um, asking the youth or, or giving the youth opportunity to participate in their organization through volunteer opportunities or on the boards and things like that. And my goal at that time was to give them maybe their first chance at sharing their voice and having an opportunity to make, to make positive um, media and to help perpetuate positive change in their communities. So I had um, a little uh, Mac computer with a camera in it that was able to record video and voice and had them answer a question if they so chose, which was, um, what would it take for everyone to lead a healthy life on MDI? And I didn't know how the response was going to be. I didn't know, you know, if people were going to be too shy or if they didn't feel like they had anything to contribute. But I ended up getting this really significant group of people coming and sharing what they had to say. They were so excited about the opportunity. And, like, you really want to listen to me? You really think that I have something to say? And especially coming out of, I think they watched Hotel Rwanda, which is such an intense film and I think can lead to feeling stagnated and, and overwhelmed, to giving them a small chance, a small opportunity to speak their piece and to recognize that, you know, organizations will eventually see this public service announcement and say, look at these youth, look at what they have to say. This is important to them, and we're going to move forward. Great. I'm going to um, cut you off a little sure. bit because we have wonderful teen voices in this studio. Great. And we'll get some of their reactions to some of the things you've been talking about. But thanks for joining us uh, this morning on uh, Talk of the Towns. Amelia Brecker DeMuro from Healthy Acadia. Um, you can participate as well. We're talking about uh, teen choices and challenges. How do we support teens um, and how do teens support each other? If you'd like to give us a call, feel free to do that at one 866 625-9378 or locally at 469-0500. In the studio with, with us, we have Don Ficker of the Jonesport Beals High School, Barb Ames, the Youth Program Coordinator, Bucksport Parks and Recreation Program, and uh, several teens who are here part of Step Up or Move Over. We have uh, Scott, Katie, Tara, and Jazz with us. I'm going to ask um, each of you as, as teens to, to um, think about um, some of the uh, comments that some of the adults have made and um, get, get you to think about 
um, and, and talk about um, some of those things. First of all, tell me about um, what caused you to choose the name um, Step Up and Move Over. Who, who could respond to that? Um, did, were any of you part of that process? Tara, were you part of that process? Um, yes, I was. Um, first of all, we it was kind of difficult trying to figure out just a simple phrase or a name for it, but after we kind of put it all together and kind of did a couple names together and everything finally shows up, step up or move over, and it was catchy and it was really good, and it kind of got some people's eyes. And remind us again, um, just remind us the, the step up is um, make some choices yourself yes. or move out of the way so other people can help. Help you make... along with that, yes. Okay, great, great. Um, what were... Um, uh, some of the things that you said were going to be the focus of your work. Um, Barb probably gave you some hints, but substance abuse, I suppose, is part of that. Um, what were some of the choices there, uh, Jazz? Um, at the beginning of it, we kind of, it was really, we generalized it, and then we got more specific, and we tried to focus on substance being substance-free and trying to, we went to um, these Mayan events, which that's the main youth action network, and we went to um, a couple activities they had, and they helped us with being like a team and things like that. And we realized that we wanted to just do it on substance abuse and trying to make the community better and not have substance abuse. Mm. It was great to have uh, Amelia Breckert-Emiro's question. Um, what would it be like if everyone could be healthy in Bucksport, for instance? What would some of those things? So thinking about substance um, issues, what were some of the things that you said, how could we make a difference? How could we make a change in um, how people are dealing, young people especially, are dealing with, with substance. And when we talk about substance, you're talking about alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, other drugs? Yes. Yeah. So what were some of the activities that you thought might you might be able to do that um, might be part of the move over piece um, where you're actually helping people think about some of these issues? Um, let's see. We, this is the youth summit that's coming up is really the big thing that we've, it's our first big activity that we've been able to do as far as, because we haven't really come up with much, but, um, we're trying. Uh, the youth summit at Bucksport, we've started by handing out surveys to the underclassmen and the surveys consist of, well, we have a survey for seniors, too, but the surveys consist of assets or things that the students feel are good or bad about the community so that we can kind of look at that and then create the Youth Summit with activities and workshops that focus on that so we can plan ahead. Mm -hmm. So you've chosen both um, what's good and what some of the problems are and the, the, the workshops themselves. Have you thought about some of the workshops that you might want to offer? Um, well, we just collated the surveys. We haven't gotten the results back, but we're going to base the workshops, I believe, on what we see mm. so that probably we're going to probably focus on the things that we need to be fixed so we can hear more what the youth have to say. Mm -hmm. How about some of the rest of you? What, what um, again, led you to, to want to focus on substance? What were some of the experiences that you were seeing in your own lives or the lives of, of your friends that said, this is an issue that I, I'm particularly interested in? Can we start with Katie? What, what, what kind of led you to get involved like this? Well, when you see your friends start to get involved with substances and you see their lives slowly deteriorate, or family that gets involved and you just it just makes you want to not be part of that and you want to stop it 
So you were seeing some consequences, as, as Amelia pointed out. You saw some consequences of using substances that you didn't particularly like or, or want to see in your own life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, how about you, Scott? What kind of led you to think this was something I want to do? I understand you were kind of recruited. You were told, hey, come on over and join us. But you, you've <laughs> stayed with it. And, and what was that about? Why did you stay with it? Well, because it's kind of the same thing like Katie said. Like, when your friends are doing different substances that are not good for you, you want them to stop. And I actually had a friend who witnessed it, and he's still, like, not, he's no longer hanging with those friends, but... So can you give me, without giving his name, can you tell me exactly what he saw, what you, what you, what you heard about? Well, he saw his other friends, like, doing drugs and all that, and they went crazy and they actually had told him to fight him and he actually had to and about time when i went to see where he was he i saw them like him on the ground getting like punched and kicked mm -hmm. they like they ganged up on him and i the one thing i could do was only call the cops and they just ran away once they saw him mm -hmm. how about you tara what what got you involved and why do you stay involved um, actually, there was something that happened quite a while ago that involved substances, and involved, there was a lot of little kids around, and these people were also my friends, and they were good people and everything, um, but I kind of stopped hanging out with them because of what they were doing was pretty bad, um, not mentioning names, but what they were doing, they were, um, selling weed at a bowling alley that had a whole bunch of little kids running around, and after that, um, the owner ended up noticing that there was something going on, and they actually just booked it, and everyone else who was there was held up there for a little while and tried to figure out what's going on. And actually, some of the parents and volunteered to actually stay there that way, so another little kids actually got exposed to it, which I thought was really great because that's showing that some there are adults out there who actually are trying to not get any, anyone else's kids involved in that stuff. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes quite a bit. I still talk to those kids, but I don't... I suggest them not to do the stuff, but they do whatever they want. Um, it's their choice. But and also this has kind of showed me that also it's it's just really good to help people not to do it because I mean they'll be healthier and everything, and also it's better for the little kids. Mm -hmm. And and uh, Jazz, what kind of um, led you to get involved, and and why do you stay involved? Um, let's see. Alcoholism mm -hmm. runs in my family, mm -hmm. and there's just been other, like, drug-related things that have happened that kind of opened my eyes that I really don't want to get involved in things like that. Um, so that's kind of my main reason for keeping involved, and I'm going to stay involved once I graduate and everything. So, mm -hmm. um, What do you think about um, Amelia Brecker DeMuro's thought that in addition to talking about consequences, we talk about other <coughs> alternatives? What, what are the alternatives that, that you see in, in your lives and, and that you hope others might see that are um, different than using substances to, to kind of enjoy life and, and do things? What else do you do besides use substances? Not you, you personally, but what would you say people could do besides use substances? Dr drugs, alcohol, and... and, and uh, um, with that one, I'd say that, well, most of the people you wouldn't even think that actually go and do stuff and actually have a lot more stuff to do, you wouldn't think they actually do that, but it's unbelievable of who you see actually do that, and to tell you the truth, I think they really need to get themselves involved in something that really just takes their mind off it and takes it away, like what Barb does. I think what she does is really great, and she gets 
I've known some people actually do substances, and I've they told me about going to her and stuff, and they told me of the progress they do, and I think it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. I think they need, in general, is someone to talk to and actually get involved in something. Mm-hmm. Anybody else got thoughts about what, what's the alternative to, to uh, substances? Jazz? Um, you don't necessarily have to be involved in, like, a school-related thing. Like, I'm not involved in volleyball or, like, Tara, because she's amazing at it. But um, I'm not really involved in uh-huh. anything school-related. But there's things out of school that I like to do. Like, I like to go four-wheeling or I like to hang out with my dad and my mom and just, I don't know. I think some of the reasons that people go to drug abuse and things like that is because their family hasn't been there for them and it just kind of goes back to needing to be cared for mm. so mm. so that's a, a way to, to to perhaps feel um accepted that you're hanging with other people who are using um, drugs or alcohol and so there's an alternative to what th- they might be missing yeah mm. i think there's always in like something underneath of everything i think there's a reason for everything mm-hmm. so how about the um, the role of the media um, that, again, we've, we've talked about? Um, w- what images about um, drugs, tobacco, alcohol do you see in the media, and how, how are they influencing how young people make choices about substances? Anybody got any response to that? Yeah, go ahead, Katie. Well, you do see it a lot with the famous people in the movies. and You always hear that they're doing drugs or alcohol or something. And the people that look up to them, I mean, you can really see it, and they take, they try to take after them. So I think it does have an effect on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the rest of you? What do you think the media um, has as an influence on young people? Um, Tara, I think one word for it is cool. Like on the movies, they show someone smoking or doing something that's not good for you, and that people think, okay, so if I do that, that'll be cool, like that person, you know. Mm-hmm. And so just people start doing it and then just can, and more popular kids actually you think don't do it, they do, and people notice that and they're like, okay, if I do that, I'll be popular too. Right, so there's, there's an image in the media that, that this is, it's, it's cool. <coughs> yeah, when it's, in general, probably to some kids it is, but in reality it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really isn't. I know that um, there there may be listeners out there that want to participate in the in the phone uh, conversation that we we could have here one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight as we talk about some of the teen choices and challenges um, and how we support them um, and how teens support each other one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight I can remember uh, when we've dealt with this topic in the past um, a caller saying but in Europe. Um, you know, um, other other cultures and other countries, there's not such a big deal about drinking, for instance, alcohol. Do you have any views about that? Is there a is there a way that um, 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 families could introduce appropriate alcohol drinking or not for teens? What do you think about that? Yeah, Katie. Well, in other countries, there's not really an, a very big age limit on it, and I think it's just the restriction to wait till you're 21 that gets a lot of kids because they want to be rebellious, uh-huh. and that's one way. Uh-huh. But uh, I think if there wasn't an age restriction, it wouldn't be as much of a problem. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And different families would would treat it differently, wouldn't they? But what do we know about um, the difference between um, adults and teens when we're thinking about um, substances? What have you learned so far in terms of the difference in maybe their brains or their development? Is there a difference between teens and adults? Um, in terms of alcohol, for instance, do you know anything about that, Scott? 
Well, some adults can, like, actually, when they use alcohol, they can, like, know when to stop. But for teens, they don't know when to stop. They'll just keep on drinking and drinking, and they don't even know what the problems or the consequences will happen. Mm-hmm. I think probably there's some adults that don't know how to stop either. Yeah, mm-hmm. some adults don't know right. either. Right. Barb, what, what are you um, kind of helping them in terms of, of knowledge, um, especially around alcohol? Is there, are there ways that you're helping this group of teens understand some of the impacts um, on, on individual uh, kind of brain development and, and that sort of thing? Do you, do you get into that sort of thing? Um, we do to some extent because <clears throat> with any of the kids, I mean, any of the kids in Bucksport, my door is always open and we have a lot of conversations, you know, with each one individually, I've had conversations about it and about how their brain is still developing. I mean, that's something I do in the diversion program. We use a lot of videos and then discuss it. The fact that their brain, with teenagers, their brain is not fully developed yet so that the chemicals are going to affect it differently than it is with the adults. Mm-hmm. So that, um, again, as, as uh, Don introduced at the beginning, kind of age-appropriate choices um, Absolutely. Is, is important. And increasingly, um, people are being offered those choices um, earlier and earlier in life. Yes. And that, that gets into, into some problems. And I think like with the youth, they can tell you too, they went to a Mayan anti-tobacco summit back this fall and they really saw how the tobacco industry really directs it towards the teens. They're not supposed to, but they are. How does, how does that actually happen? What do you see that the tobacco companies are doing that might influence teens to, to uh, um, pick up a cigarette? Do you see things that... You mentioned movie stars smoking. I suppose um, if, if young people think movie stars are cool, that's one way they do that. Who, who's in the ads that you see in magazines um, smoking? Are there a lot of old people smoking? <laughs> Go ahead, Tara. Um, no, actually, I think what they do is that they involve it into something that they know that there's a lot of teens that are interested in, like a sport or something. They'll just, like, involve it in. Uh-huh. Newport it. cigarettes do that. Go ahead. Um, I think it's Newport, isn't it? The cigarette company. Um, a lot of their ads I've seen, like, there was one, I think, uh, younger kids, like, maybe college, um, or younger, they were like playing volleyball and stuff, and then it said the whole their pleasure line and whatever. So, great. Well, I think we're going to bring um, Tony Beal into the conversation. Tony is a colleague of Don Fickers down at Jonesport Beals High School. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Tony. Hey, thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. Well, right. We've got a lot of voices here in the in the studio, but uh, glad to have your voice join us. You're actually um, teaching a class about choices. I understand. Tell us a little bit about that and oh. and some of the students involved. Oh, I tell you what, I've been listening to this the whole entire program, and actually my great issues class has been too, and uh, since we've shifted classes, they still might be listening or not, but um, <laughs> I'm big on leadership, and this course I teach called Great Issues, it started off about eight, nine years ago as a uh, more of a current events-based course, because uh, it wasn't really being meant in terms of the curriculum, and what I discovered is through the current events, it became more and more issues-based, and from that, it sort of became more of a debates course where kids look at the variety of possibilities. For instance, they, uh, they might look at, um, I have a call coming down the other line, but what happens is they actually have the opportunity to look at an issue, they're able to research that issue, they're able to look at both sides of the issue, uh, discuss the issue, debate it, and ultimately come up with their own viewpoint. Uh, the outstanding thing about the class is that it is a responsibilities-based class because these kids are forced to look at situations 
where they may look at it is, I'm a student. How does it affect my family? How does it affect my community? How does it affect uh, my state or my, even my country? And the real great thing about it is, is that from that point, these kids are saying is, eventually I will be a parent. Eventually I will be an employee for some job. And from that, they get this notion of responsibility. And also I think they start to believe that they get this sense of pride saying is, is that I am the next generation of leadership. And how do they make sure that our future will be better secured for our next generation of kids growing up? Well, that's great. It seems like what you're doing is is taking some of the the heat and light out of out of a particular decision by kind of making it an academic exercise. Let's study this issue and look at different points of view. And that's different than you know um, ha- having a friend ask you to go to a party um, um, on on Friday night. That's a little bit different. You're stepping back from any particular issue, and you've probably dealt with many different kinds of of leadership issues, and asking people to look at both sides. Uh, yes, certainly. All, I mean, all sides. <laughs> oh, I mean, and, and definitely, I mean, every one of these issues that the kids have been talking about today, you know, and Don, and, and you, uh, these are all important, and we do hit upon these things, you know, such as the suicide in terms of the tobacco, and we, we hit on a variety of different things. I mean, just for instance, the unit has been kind of based on um, moral decline of our country. Is that something that's real? Uh, the decline of traditional family, uh, comparison of Generation X to Generation Y to the baby boomers to the silent generation. Uh, and even most recently, we uh, discussed about the choking game and about the uh, effect that that's having, you know, in terms of technology as well. Because these kids in this generation right here have been hit with more individual circumstances, uh, more types of technology, more bits of information. Uh, and there's such an exposure to those types of things. I, it boggles my mind. Here I am, 34 years old, and I'm looking at kids now, half my age. And I'm thinking, I'm really fortunate. I didn't have to deal with those things. But the bigger issue then becomes, in the midst of all this, is what role does a school play against what role do parents play to try to balance the well-being of student responsibility for the future of their lives. Mm. And how do, how do parents re- react to, to um, the course that you're teaching? Um, do, they, uh, do they take an interest in this? Um, what do they think about the course? Um, I believe that most of the feedback that I have, like I said, there are some times where this course right here, I mean, it really deals with a lot of issues. I mean, some kids are living the things we talk about, uh, but for the most part, I think that since I am a community member and I've always been a part of this community, uh, the parents really honestly believe that I'm about their abilities to develop as young adults. And for their perspective, um, one, they know I care. Two, I'm helping them do what they need to do. And the other part is, is that I'm a parent in this community as well. And this is things that I absolutely need uh, for my kids to know. Uh, what's funny is, is that uh, I have one of those little kindergarten students that Don uh, advises. The connector of that is, is that I'm talking with Don about what Don's talking with my daughter so that I can talk to my daughter about what she's speaking with Don so that we can try, try to create this triangular effort to better raise my child. Mm. Um, you know, you look at these things, and like I said, I haven't had any complaints. Uh, I do push the envelope. There's no question about it. Uh, but also, these are some things that, if left not discussed by a responsible adult, what then happens when these kids are being educated by the irresponsible peer? Mm. So um, I can imagine, I think you've just given me a, um, a glimpse of what you would say to, to a parent or um, a community member who says, this, is, this isn't what we should be um, talking about in school. Um, how do you respond to those kinds of comments? Well, uh, well, my first question, I probably wouldn't say it out loud, is I'm saying is, well, are you discussing this with your child? Uh-huh. Um, my first responsibility in life is, is to be a great parent. And, but I also do know that I have responsibility in life, too, as being an employee of the school district 
is to teach these students social studies. And any issue, whether it is abortion or drugs or tobacco or suicide, I think I've already said that one, these are all issues that fall within the category of social sciences. And what I try to do is, is I expose these children to this. I allow them the opportunity to have the information, to have the input, have the reflection, have the perspective, and also encourage my kids to also speak with the parents. And if at any point these parents want to talk to me about these issues, my door is open. Great. Well, I think they're lucky to have you, and, and uh, thanks for being part of Talk of the Towns this morning. Hey, I do. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Okay. That's Tony Beal, a uh, teacher at Bucksport, excuse me, at, at uh, Jonesport uh, Beals High School. Um, what about this, this notion that... Um, any topic um, is is okay to talk about, but it seems to me that what Tony has done and, and what Don has done and what Barb has done is create a kind of a safe place where it's okay to talk about these things. How does this notion of a safe place to talk about things play into your discussions of whether it's substances or other, other issues? How does that play in? Um, uh, go ahead, Jazz. Um, I think being a, having one place or having some one person even to be able to talk about anything is always good. Because I know some students or teens or even adults feel that they can't talk to somebody, so I think it just helps out mm -hmm. a lot. What kinds of what kinds of um, uh, things do you do you tend to talk about when you're when you're um, at working as a group? Do you talk about some of these things as well as getting ready for the summit, which I know is coming up um, on May twentieth? Do you talk about your your real lives and the kinds of things that you're you're concerned about? Um, yeah, I think we do. We talk a lot. We just, it's really more about like just having conversations and stuff and then putting things together. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier to a point you have to be organized and everything, but I think it's easier just kind of to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. um, think about the, the activities that you've done so far uh, when, you've, when you've actually talked to people about substances. What's worked? You know, what, what kinds of things do you think has worked when you've kind of raised the subject of, of substances with other people? Go ahead, Tara. Um, we actually had this health um, thing in our Bucksport High School, and we actually had a spot where we actually did the drunk goggles. I don't know what schools do those still, but we did them, and some kids did them, and they did not like it. And I think it really so, opened their eyes. So to tell me about that. What, what, what was that experiment? Um, basically... To see the student's reaction of when it, what it feels like to actually be intoxicated. And, the, and what did they actually do? The, you said drunk goggles? Well, yeah, when okay. you're intoxicated. And one of them was night vision. One was where you're really intoxicated, also mixed in with a drug. And there's one where you're just about at the whole drunk line. And we also, what we did, we put a piece of tape on the ground, and some kids actually threw up, and they really didn't like it. Um, so this is a kind of a simulation of what it might feel like. Yes, uh -huh. it just basically show them what it'd be like and everything. And since most of them said they didn't like it, I think they're actually starting. So there's something called a Bay Fest. Did you some did, did, did do some work around the Bay Fest that was influential? Um, yeah, we had a set up like a table and everything, and we had our poster for Step Up and Move Over at the Bucksport Bay Festival. And we actually had the drunk goggles, which they're goggles that just simulate being like how you would see if you were mm -hmm. drunk. Um, and we had just, we kind of got random people to put them on and we even had adults do it and it was kind of funny. But um, it just, it really, there was a lot of younger kids who did it and they really saw kind of in a perspective how you would see if you were intoxicated. And most of them, there's, you always get a few who think it's funny. 
And then there was a lot who thought that they wouldn't want to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that you you felt like um, as you work together, um, and, and you'll know more when you do the, the uh, summit, that have worked well to get other people to think about these issues? How, if, if you were to encounter someone in the cafeteria line and, and uh, you, you didn't know them, how would you begin to talk about um, the work of Step Up and, or Move Over? Scott, you got any thoughts about how you how do you um, talk to somebody? Katie, anybody, any thoughts about that? Well, first I get to know them, then I'd introduce the idea. Uh huh. So you know, what would what what you pretend you're telling me? I'm in the cafeteria line with you, and and uh, you, we've talked a little bit. Maybe this the, the the second time we've talked. What would you tell me about Step Up and Move Over? That or it, move over. Oh, that's an organization that tries to keep kids substance free. Uh huh. And I would ask you what you thought of it, and how would you go about it? Uh huh. So you'd ask me what I thought about substances. Right. That's the great, great way to get things started, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine doing that with with people that maybe haven't uh, talked about um, these kinds of things? Maybe at the summit. Yeah, I think. Um within the workshops it's going to there's going to be adult facilitators like teachers and such from the community and then there's going to be we're going to have um student or teen co-facilitators and i oh i guess it's the other way around (laughs) so Um, teens are going to take the lead yeah right pretty much right um and i mentioned having the workshops kind of at a conversational level just kind of being low-key because i think if you like if we brought all the students into the the gym for like an assembly and just that we had people stand up and just talk to them I think it would be boring so I think if we split them up into just smaller groups and just kind of conversated about the different topics and the things that they think the pros and cons of the school I think it would go over better and we get more results Mm. and did you learn some of those techniques in some of your earlier training the the idea of of working in small groups you experienced that kind of thing yourself didn't you when you went to these yeah Um, when we went to the Mayan conventions and the tobacco summit and things like that we've experienced being in a smaller group and it's worked well you get the ideas better and it's easier to talk that way. Right, and that's, that's the n- notion that I think we're talking about in terms of creating safe space. Um, an auditorium or a gym with everybody there doesn't particularly feel safe if you want to express a, a point of view. You can listen to someone, and then you keep the thoughts to yourselves. But if you're in a small group of five or six people, you're probably feeling safer. It's, it might be okay to, to, to yeah. ask a question. We do have a, a phone call. We'll go ahead and, and take that phone uh, call. Get, tell us your name and, and uh, where you're calling from, please. This is Al from Le Moyne. Uh, I'm really impressed with what I've been hearing, uh, and I'm not unaware of that. But there's a couple of comments I'd like to make about uh, children who are basically locked in a poor home environment and are probably under parents who really are resistive uh, to outside input, even though they may have some very poor habits and how to deal or get those those kids to where they can uh, start to de- uh, find out al- uh, or learn alternatives or how to deal with, with things like that without becoming uh, subject to abuse uh, from, uh, from their parents learning mm. out there doing these things. And uh, another is about uh, adults who may want to mentor but really, uh, between a, a work schedule and afraid to really 
get much involved with kids in the in the case that they uh, a lot of them uh, some would be casing their place and that uh, they find that they have been paired up with one that may later just you know burglarize or or mm-hmm. yeah. uh, their homes those those are two issues I think are I'd really like to learn more about Thank well you. thanks so much for your call I'm glad you you and others were listening today we're almost at the end of the hour but maybe I get some response from Don how do you how do you um, kind of look at a situation where it may feel um, to a kid um, unsafe because of their home situation to participate in activities like we're talking about today there's always a balance between loyalty to your family and what you grow up with and the people who have a lot of power over you and seeing different values uh, presented elsewhere. And I think safety's first. Uh, you don't need to go out and be a crusader uh, to b- start making choices for yourself. Uh, and you don't need to confront a system. Just like you don't need to go up and attack a bully if you see them on a playground. You can just be buddies with a person that's being bullied or at least give them enough support so they can get out of the situation. You don't have to confront your family to start making healthy choices for yourself and it's not disloyal. You're just you're just growing up mm-hmm. and doing what's best for you without judging anyone else, including mm-hmm. your parents. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of support, if you, if you kind of encountered that situation as a teenager and you knew someone was hurting um, because of their family situation but you didn't want to confront that, how would you support them? How would you How, how would you kind of give them a place to to listen to jazz got any thoughts about that um let's see i know like myself and a couple other people they've been in the situation where they didn't know what to do Mm -hmm. and i think having other people to talk to um helps a lot and i think it's just trying to figure out a way to overcome it and not like because you can always be worried about what your family will think or what somebody else will think but you kind of just have to think about yourself too so that's um, that notion of growing up and, yeah. and being you kinda, a person. You can't save everyone. Yeah. So. Uh, we've only got a minute left, so I'll give you each a, a, a chance for a sentence. What is it that you hope, um, especially around the summit, and then I'll ask Don and, and uh, Barb, to, what, what do you hope that will come out of the summit? Jazz? Um, I hope that at least the school, the teachers, will understand the pros and cons that they need to fix so that um, the underclassmen will be, they'll feel safer and it won't get worse. Okay, Tara? Yeah, I agree with Jazz. I just hope that a lot of kids get their eyes open and they choose to be healthy and they actually choose to stop and hope, convince their friends not to do it and actually spread around more. Great, and Scott? I just hope that other than Bucksport, like all around the communities of towns that has the same problem could try to figure it out and make it like a better place for safer underclass people. Great, great. Katie, what do you hope? I just hope the youth can see the consequences of whatever of everything that's going to happen if they take that path. Mm, mm. Barb, what are your hopes as, as you look forward to this summit um, the, on May 20th at Bucksport High School and, and the, the, the work of uh, groups like Step Up or Move Over? I just hope that more kids and more adults will come forward and that where this is our first year, that next year will be even bigger and better. Great. And Don, final word to you. I would like to see school systems create the uh, time and space. There's always competition for time and space in schools, and I'd like to see this as a high priority, giving kids a chance to talk this over in a safe place. Great. Well, thank you all for being with us. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. 
Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Don Ficker of Jonesport Beals High School. We were joined by Tony Beal, a colleague of his, um, by phone. Uh, Amelia Brecker DeMuro joined us from Healthy Acadia by phone. And Barb Ames uh, from uh, Bucksport uh, Parks and Recreation. She's the youth program coordinator. We also had Jazz, Tara, Katie, and Scott with us. And we thank them very much for being with us. Thanks of those... Uh, who listened and called in. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. 